want you to take your Bibles with me to John chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 34 through 43 this morning. The title of the message this morning is, Who is this Son of Man? It comes from a question that the crowd posed when Jesus was before them here in John 12. John 12, verse 34. If you're there in your Bible this morning, say Amen. Amen. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? I'm going to stop there. We're going to go through a little differently today. And um, we begin the message this morning in John 12. And it records Jesus entering into Jerusalem for the final battle. For the final showdown. And I want you to get this picture. As I thought about it this week, this is, this is on the same plane of, of someone coming in, a king coming in to conquer another king. I want you to get this picture in your mind. This was radical what Jesus was getting ready to do. There was a, there was, of course, a price over his head. The, the Pharisees, the religious leaders wanted him dead. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. He had performed his arguably the, the greatest miracle of his earthly ministry. And the fame of him was at an all-time high. And Jesus makes his entry into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and to the praise of the people saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Israel thought that their Messiah, the one who would would free them from Rome, the one who would set up his kingdom, had come and they were right, but their focus was little misled. And we're going to unpack it this morning. Jesus said to them in the verses preceding that he would be lifted up, that he would give his life on the cross and he, he would die. And this was not what they were anticipating. And so they heard the this saying, and it, 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 it caused them to have some confusion. And they begin to question, who is this Son of Man? You see, the, they had been taught from the time that they were little that the Messiah would come and that he would triumph over his enemies, that he would make his enemies his footstool, and that he would set up his literal kingdom there in Jerusalem. There was It was not on their radar, even though it was in Scripture, that he would suffer first that he would die, that the hero would die for the villains. I was thinking about that this week, that in Christianity it differs from every other faith system because in Christianity the hero dies for the villains and that death would be our victory. And I want you to just see this this morning, that he is the Son of Man. Now this term, Son of Man, it's used throughout the Bible to refer to men and women in a general sense. But Jesus referred to himself by one title more than any other title, and it was that of Son of Man, the, the Son of Man. Now, if you study the Old Testament in Daniel's prophecy in, in Daniel 7, we find that that was the first usage of this particular title that would be only given to Jesus. And Daniel records in Daniel 7 a vision of four beasts rising up to take power over 
the earth. Now, these four beasts represented four nations that would rise up. And, you know, there's a lot of debate about these nations. I believe that, of course, there was the Medo Persian, there was the Roman Empire, and, and the last of the beasts is, he, he was, uh, he's a, uh, a mixture of different, I believe, nations. And God gave Daniel this vision. And in this vision, the ancient of days, Daniel describes him, God takes his seat of judgment and he takes rule away from all four of the beasts. After that, Daniel sees, he records, one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. This man will stand before God, the ancients of days, and give, and God gives him authority over all nations, languages, and people of the world for all of eternity. And I want you to see this. He says, as I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So Daniel gets a vision of the Son of Man. He gets a vision of Jesus in his glory, coming in the clouds. And I want you to know that this term, Son of Man, Jesus is asserting his deity, but he also is emphasizing his humanity. You see, it was by the fall of one man that we we were destined to death. But it would be through the victory of Jesus Christ, one man, a literal human. He was the God-man, but he, he was in fact human. That he would win the victory over death, hell, and the grave. That he would take his rightful place as Lord of all. And he would set the captives free through his sacrificial death. And I want you to understand, Jesus uh, often would refer to himself by this title, Son of Man. I want you to see there's a few instances where he does so in Scripture. Luke 5, verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise and take up your bed and go to your house. This is the scene, of course, with the paralytic and his, who was brought by his four friends. And before Jesus healed him, he said, your sins are forgiven. And of course, those who were in the room, the, the, the naysayers, the unbelievers, they said, How, who, who is this man who, he, who says he can forgive sin? This is the Son of Man, God in the flesh. He goes on, he says, um, in Mark 14, verse 62, he said, Jesus said, I am, when they asked him if he was the Christ, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. The cults often try to lie and say that Jesus never claimed to be God. But if you study scripture, if you understand what Jesus said on many occasions when he referred to himself as the son of man, he was claiming to be God, that he would return to judge the world, to 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 uh, to bring uh, judgment on those who have rejected him. And, and he was claiming that he was God. And I want you to see in Matthew Chapter 12, he said this, For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. 
He also said in Luke 19, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I want you to get this picture. When he said that he was the Son of Man and that he must uh, be lifted up, what he was referring to, of course, was that he was God in the flesh and that his death would be the way of salvation. It was undeniable who Jesus was as the Son of Man. I want you to see today... And in Jesus' day, people fashion a Christ that we don't find in Scripture. If they would have took a, a, a easy look, easy read in, in Isaiah, they would have known that it was prophesied that the Savior, the Messiah would suffer, that he would die, that through his stripes we would be healed. And, and this is what Jesus is declaring before them here in John 12, that he is the Son of Man. And that he would be lifted up. But I want you to see verse 35 as we continue. Then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become the sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. I want you to see not only is Jesus the Son of Man, but I want you to notice with me, secondly, this morning, this his solemn warning. Jesus gives a solemn warning here in these verses. I want you to notice about his warning. It was a time-sensitive warning. It was a time-sensitive warning. He says, a little while longer, the light is with you. The light is with you. This is the final moments of Jesus' public ministry. And those before him, they were at their final, maybe, uh, opportunity to trust in him. And Jesus says, a little while longer, the light is with you. Have you noticed that those who reject God, who resist the light, each time that they do so, it becomes more difficult for them to change course. Have you noticed this, that there is sometimes a final pull on someone to get their lives right before God is going to take them into eternity? I believe there's going to be a family here today. Their son went into eternity last week. His name is Matt. They, they were a part of this church. They had relocated to Texas a little over a year ago. But I'll never forget meeting Matt. I was at the gym playing pickup basketball, and there's this this shorter, stocky, Hispanic young man, lots, lots of muscles, looked like a bodybuilder, did not look like a hooper at all. But let me tell you, he cooked me that day. I couldn't do anything with him. I mean, he had a, he had a large, we call it a bag. His skill set, he could shoot it from deep. He could shoot it from close. He could handle the ball. He, I mean, he was a lefty. It was a pure stroke, and there's nothing I could do with him, and it was frustrating the fire out of me because I'm the most competitive person you know. <laughs> and so after the game, you know, I'm, I'm a little hot. You know, I'm not saying much. That's what I have to do when I get angry, zip the lip. He says to me, by the way, Pastor, great message last week. <laughs> I said, who, who, what? <laughs> so yeah, my name's Matt. 
And uh, my folks have been coming to your church, and I came with them last week. And uh, yeah, they love the church, and and I'm, I'm yeah, I've been coming with them, and so Matt and I became friends, and every time he come in there, he still cooked me. But uh, it was all love, and so last week when the call came through that Matt, while driving, was in an accident and his life was taken instantly, you knew it hurt. Twenty twenty six years old, I believe. And I came into the office that next week, and there was a voicemail on my phone from one of Matt's friends. She said, I need to talk to Pastor Shane. Um, I was the last person to talk to Matt before he went into eternity. And he had a lot of things to say about Pastor Shane and, and WCF. And, and I just want to share it. I just, I just need to share it. So I passed the message to, over to Pastor, and he reached out. And Matt, his life, God was doing a mighty work in his life. And he was saying that he was listening to the messages from here and how Pastor Shane, his testimony was similar with the, with the fitness side of it, the, the bodybuilding and, and how God was using Pastor Shane in his life to, to draw him into him. And now he's in the presence of Jesus. And we tell you these things because I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but this may be your last opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. He says, this is a time-sensitive, urgent uh, warning. Hey, hey, you and I don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the next hour holds. And so what Jesus was doing was his final plea to those who were in the crowd. He was saying, hey, get a little while and the light is before you, the light of the world, the way of salvation. Oh, if you're still on the fence about Jesus this morning, let me encourage you. He is everything that He claimed to be and more. I'm telling you this morning, come to Jesus. May I just be a feeble voice this morning to speak into your life and say you've been in darkness, you've been in depression, you've been separated from God, you've been running and you know it. And Jesus is calling you this morning. He's saying, come unto me. I will give you what you're searching for. I will give you life eternal. I will save your soul. I'll give you purpose. Maybe your last chance. I'm telling you, Jesus, He's everything that we need. If you're hungry this morning, He is the bread of life. If you're thirsty this morning, He's the fountain of living water. If you're blind this morning, He is the light of the world. If you're lost this morning, He is the way. If you're confused this morning, He is the truth. If you're dying, He is the source of life. He is everything that you need this morning. And He loves you. He loved these people before Him, even though time after time after time they rejected Him. Their hearts were cold. Their hearts were hard. And yet, He is still giving this plea to them. He says, walk while you have the light. He's calling them to respond while they have the opportunity. And He goes on, He says, lest darkness overtake you. You guys want to know something? Those you know who are apart from Christ, they are walking in darkness. This is why they stumble. This is why they're addicted. 
This is why uh, they're depressed. This is why they go through the motions and they try to self-medicate. This is why I, I want you to get this picture. We, we, we tend to forget that apart from a relationship with God, we are all walking in darkness. And one day that darkness, apart from Christ, will overtake us, cause us to go into eternal darkness. The people before Christ could have taken a simple step of faith and they could have passed out of spiritual darkness into the light of his salvation. But we're going to see later that they rejected. There are those who rejected. Jesus goes on and says, He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. I'm sorry, guys, about the, the slides. I tried to do slides this week, but I don't, I don't usually go off my notes like I should. So if you're confused, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it, okay? <laughs> I told Lane, I don't know. I, I don't know. We probably shouldn't do it, but I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> but Jesus gives this solemn warning. It was a time-sensitive warning. I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Do you know where you're going? Do you know that when you take your last breath this side of eternity, that you will be with Jesus in heaven? Do you know it? There were those in the crowd who did not, yet the light was before them, and they didn't seize the opportunity. It is not a wise thing to take God's truth lightly, for a person can miss the opportunity to be saved. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Y'all heard that? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. The old church, they would sing songs like, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. This generation, that the nation of Israel, they had a visitation like no other generation. They had an opportunity like no other generation. And yet, they squandered it. And I want you to see a troubling statement this morning. Look at verse 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. <laughs> we can list all the miracles. John, later on in this gospel, says there's so many you can't even write it in all the books of the world. He, he saved, his, I believe, his best for last when he raised Lazarus up, Lazarus up from the dead. And Lazarus was there with them, a living testimony of who Jesus was. And yet... They did not believe in him. Oh, what a troubling statement. This marked the end of Jesus' public ministry as far as John's record is concerned. Jesus, the Bible says, departed from them, and he was hidden from them. This nation, they seen the miracles, they had heard the messages, they had scrutinized his ministry, yet they refused to believe in him. Now, prophecy did foretell this, that this generation would be so hard-hearted. Look what it says in verse 38. 
that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. Because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. I want you to get this. This is, to some, this is kind of, this is a difficult, uh, difficult concept. But God is sovereign. He knows who will receive him and who will reject him. Just like in the Old Testament when Pharaoh, after many, many signs, Pharaoh still hardened his heart. And the Bible says that God hardened his heart. You see, there is a posture that a person can take in which God will say, okay, that's what you're choosing. All right, I will seal that. That I will, that's, that's where you're going to be. And you say this, that seems harsh. No, I want you to understand this concept. These people were not predisposed to make the decision to reject Christ. But they made willful after willful decision to reject him. In spite of all the evidence that pointed to the truth of the matter that he was God in the flesh, these people refused to believe in him. They rejected him in spite of the miracles, in spite of the messages, in spite of the confirmation from God. And when a person refuses to believe in God and and, and hardens their heart towards God, soon they will be incapable of believing. I've heard of people who have cursed God on their deathbed. And this is a troubling statement because this tells us that there is an opportunity for salvation. There is a space of time where a person can be saved. And if they do not seize that opportunity, it could pass them by. When a person starts to resist the light, it begins a change in within them. It's called judicial blindness. God will cover their their eyes, so that they cannot see. This is, like I said, this is a difficult one. I don't, I don't quite understand everything that goes with it, but I do understand that God is merciful, and I think that this is the final. This is the final after maybe decades or, or years or, or so much that God does to try to draw a person. I think this is the final end of, of that life that resists and rejects. God is full of mercy. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. But there does come a time when the door is closed. Just kind of like in Noah's day, 120 years, Noah preached and he built the ark. But the day when those raindrops begin to fall and God closed the door of the ark, that was it. That was it. There was no reversing course. I can imagine the scene. Can you guys read the Bible with your, with your imagination on? <laughs> I can imagine people banging on that ark. Climbing, trying to get ladder, doing everything they can to try to get to high ground and hopefully the ark will pass by them and maybe they could jump on it. And I know this is a scene that most people in today's church and the American 
watered down church. You don't want to hear about a righteous indignation that comes from a God when he says enough is enough. But I want to just be true to the scripture this morning that there is coming a time when God will say enough is enough. You don't want me. Oh, you, you are left to yourself. You know what hell is? Hell is being left to your own. The worst part about hell isn't the flames. The worst part about hell isn't the suffering. The worst part about hell is there's no hope. There's no end. There is no God to cry out to. This is why we've got to be on mission, guys. This is why Jesus is standing before these people before he is to go to a cross. This is what he is crying out to them. Believe on the light while you can. I skipped over this, but in verse 36, he says, Believe in the light that you may become the sons of light. (laughs) He was offering them an, an invitation to be saved, to be transformed into that new creation. He was offering this to them, and they rejected a solemn warning. It's, it's a time-sensitive warning. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. I don't know who's online, but if you haven't trusted Christ, if you're playing around with God, today I, I want to urge you to repent, to turn to Jesus today for salvation. Because none of us know when our time is up. There's a troubling statement that God... He strengthened their own decision. He said, oh, that's where you guys want to be. Jesus, you guys remember in Jesus' ministry, he stopped speaking plainly after a while. He started speaking in parables so that those who had rejected him time, time, time after time, they couldn't understand what he was saying. See, this is a theme we see throughout Scripture this is why we must warn those. Warn those who are doing what they were doing in Noah's day. Eating, drinking, and being merry. Going through life like there's no day of reckoning coming. There is a day of reckoning coming. And the moment someone dies, they will know, they will know everything that they could possibly need to know about God. And I've been in enough situations, I've preached enough funerals. To know this is an urgent warning. This this is a time-sensitive matter that must be addressed. If you need Christ this morning, open your heart to him. But I want you to see lastly this morning, there were secret followers in the crowd. (laughs) And this was convicting. Uh, Last, uh, a few weeks ago, our family, we were out having breakfast, and and, um, our server, she took really good care of us and really sweet young lady. And we were getting ready to leave and I, you know, I wasn't going to tell her anything about God. I was just going to make my way out. Even though I know I should, you know. And, um, God convicted me a little bit in my heart, but I was resisting him. But as, as we're getting ready to walk out, my, my, a few of the kids were in the restaurant, we were waiting and she says to me, where's your church? <laughs> I'm like, do you, who, you, do you know, do you know who I am? No, I I had a shirt on and said Jesus loves you, so I guess she assumed I was a Christ follower, and I, I went to church. 
Hey, that's a good assumption. Hey, Christians should go to church, right? <laughs> I worry people say, you know, I'm a Christian, but they never want to be in this type of a fellowship or a church. That, that's, a, that's a telling sign. But anyway, so after I was startled, I, I said to her, oh, yeah, we're over at Westside Christian Fellowship, and I'm the pastor. I'm one of the pastors. <laughs> <laughs> she's like oh she, she pulled out a little pad and she wrote down the information and she was here last week and um, her with her little son and, and I was overjoyed to see her here and uh, I was being a secret follower I was well I had a shirt on right that, that counts right <laughs> I'm teasing, but on the, on the real, many in Jesus' day, they were secret followers. And today in, this, in our culture, there's a lot of secret followers. I want you to see it. Look at verse 42. It says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. Among the ruling class, the Sanhedrin, many believed in him. We know of two for sure. Joseph of Arimathea, who would give, of course, his grave so that Jesus can borrow it for a few days, right? And then Nicodemus, who would come by night. He had come by night because he was a little bit of, he was ashamed. He didn't want to go to this teacher. And so uh, those two would soon come out and, and be public with their faith. Uh, they would come out, and I don't want to beat anybody up. I know there's people in here so timid. I, I, I meet them all the time. That you come into church and you sit in the back, and you you, you wouldn't dare come up here and, and, and say hi, or you know you just want to get out as quickly as you can. You just you're an introvert. How many introverts are in here? Yeah, there's a lot of you. <laughs> and um, so I, I'm not beating anyone up, but at some point. At some point, you're going to have to stand boldly and identify with Christ. Hey, if not now, when? Hey, these people, the the Bible says there were many of them. There were many of them who would not openly confess Christ. It's not that they could not. They would not. And this is something Jesus I think it's somewhere in here where Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me in front of men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father and the holy angels. Hey, let me tell you something. It isn't worth it. Men, don't fear men. This is, I believe, why many of them did not want, we'll see it in just a second, is because they feared men. Listen, it's because of the Pharisees. Look. Because of the Pharisees, there was a group of people who they feared. And I'm telling you, the fear of man bringeth a snare. I'm telling you, uh, why would we fear someone who does absolutely, who has no say in our eternity, who has not died for us, who isn't paying your bills? I'm telling you, uh, why is it that we allow the fear of man to keep us in our shell? Come on, somebody needs to hear me this morning. I heard this in a commentary this week. Secret discipleship is a contradiction of terms. (laughs) For either secrecy kills the discipleship, listen to that, or the discipleship kills the secrecy. Oh my goodness. A disciple. See, that's the problem. Some of us, we are, we're saved. 
we believe like these group of men, many in that group, but we aren't disciples yet. He, he's my Savior, but I haven't really made him Lord of my life. My master, my teacher, the one who tells me uh, what to do and when to do it. That's where the struggle is. And you know what the problem is many times in church? You know, you know why we do a lot of appointments when it comes to counseling and other things? It's because uh, men and women who hear the word, who understand what God has said, are refusing to be disciples. They're refusing. They're, they're, not, they're not incapable of. They are refusing. And I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you are a secret service Christian. <laughs> maybe you've been undercover. Come out. Be bold in Christ. If you're an introvert, ask God to give you the words. And they may be just a few. It might just be Jesus loves you. That might be all that person needs to hear. You might have to get a shirt like me if you don't want to talk. <laughs> Find Christian shirts. I'm telling you, that keeps me on my best behavior. At the gym, in the store, you know. And try, I mean, tell you. <laughs> but the truth is, there were many who, who would not openly because of fear of man. But also, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Look at this. They didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. They didn't want to get out of their position. You know, there's many preachers who don't preach the full counsel of God. They haven't spoken to this evil transgender movement in, in the United States. They haven't spoken to the, the wickedness and depravity of, of many lifestyles that are being promoted. They haven't spoken to the matters that are most prevalent in our day because they want to still be invited to the, to the table. They want to still be invited to Oprah Winfrey. They want to still be in the platform that they're on. They, sit, they still want to get the money and the endorsements. But I'm telling you today, there needs to be men and women, not just preachers, but men and women of faith who say, God, hey, I don't care what they say about me. I don't care if they hate me. I love you more than their praise. Right. It says that for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. It's an old struggle that we all struggle with. We want to be accepted. We don't want people to view us as weird. We don't we want to be included. But the Bible says, and if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross. Jesus said, the world, they're going to hate you. They hated me first. Woe to you if everyone speaks good of you. Hey, I've made my share of enemies because of foolish things, right? Sinful things in my life. But my prayer in this season, until I see Jesus, is that my enemies would be those who hate me because of who I love and who I serve. We don't have to be disagreeable, do we? We don't have to be obnoxious in your face. And that's what some of your problem is. You, you like to fight. You love to do this. And you're obnoxious and you're prideful and, and you, you deter people from you. No, everybody could be my friend. Anybody could be my friend. I'm going to love you. But if you ask me, 
If I find out I had a, <laughs> the gym is where I get a lot of things, <laughs> get into some trouble at times, but there's this young man we were playing and there's another pastor in town who comes and plays pickup with us and this young man, and he didn't like how the pastor fouled him on a, a particular play. It was too hard for him. And he starts cursing out the pastor. And I didn't say anything in the moment. I just prayed, you know. But afterwards, when it was just me and him, see, I've learned this. You're going to have to, at times, you're going to, I don't know where he's at with the Lord, but God just put it on my heart to just, when we were just me and him, I shook his hand, I held it, I said, hey, man, I understand that, the, you know, that wasn't called for. But I do want to encourage you. That's a man of God. And he wasn't right for that, but that response, you, you don't want that on you. And he, li- I mean, his whole demeanor, he listened to me. And he's like, yeah, you know what, you're right. I said, I don't know if you're a believer. He said, I am. <laughs> hey, some of you, you need to, hey, somebody in here right now, you know a brother in Christ who's cheating on his wife and you haven't confronted him. Because you care more about what he thinks than what God thinks. Hey, I'm telling you, this thing of being a Christian, it isn't comfortable. You think it's comfortable? I have to sit, I, I sit with men week after week and say, you're, you're prideful, you're arrogant, your wife is about to be done with you. And I don't like doing that. That's my wife. I want to avoid the conversation. I don't want any part of that, but I'm telling you, because I love God, I care about, I love that man, I'm going to speak the truth in love. And I'm telling you, this is where we've got to get to the point, hey, we can't be playing church. We've got to be the church. And these men were, they, they, they had believed on Christ, but because of the Pharisees, they didn't confess him. And they loved the praise of men. They loved the position that they had. You see, that was a cushy position to be in the Sanhedrin. It had financial ramifications. It, it meant you got the best seats at the party. <laughs> you were in the VIP. <laughs> it meant a lot. And to be kicked out of synagogue, it would have been shameful. It would have cost you something. But let me tell you, oh, I want to identify with Jesus' suffering and his shame more than I want to do with the temporary praise of men. I'm telling you, he said, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. You know, God will one day say to those who are faithful, well done, now good and faithful servant. In the cloud of many witnesses, God's going to say, hey, that was my servant. That was my daughter. And she was faithful and he was faithful and well done. Here's the crowns. Here's your rewards for all of eternity, not temporal things that will pass away. I'm telling somebody today, it's time to take a stand for Jesus. No more secret followers. This morning, I want to just remind us that Jesus is the Son of Man. He is the Savior of the world. The one that was prophesied in the Old Testament the one that was revealed in the New Testament, and the one that we wait for his return. If you don't have a relationship with him, today you can call on his name. He'll save you. He'll bring you out of darkness. He'll bring you out of it into his light. He'll make you a son or a daughter of light. 
I want to give a solemn warning once again. As Jesus so clearly stated, that there is an opportunity to, to walk in the light. And that opportunity will someday be passed. And I want to encourage you today, if you haven't trusted Christ today, call on him while you have breath, while you have opportunity so that darkness doesn't overtake you. Calling on the name of Jesus and, and acknowledging that you're a sinner, that you fall short and I fall short of the glory of God, but that while we were yet sinners, Christ, he died for us. And the Bible promises that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is the decision that we must we must make. We, we must call on him. And it's the miracle of the moment. I love this. I love that it's not something that is difficult. You don't have to get your life right and then come to Christ. You come to Christ and then he gets your life right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All God is looking for is your humility to call out on Jesus. And if you haven't done that, today would be a wonderful day to do it.